0: Friday night on the fan pregame Sportsnet is Sportsnet 590. The fan, Alish and Justin. Lots of hockey to go through tonight and into tomorrow. We'll have Kyle Bukoskis on a little later in the show to help wrap up um, what will be a big one this weekend. He's going to be in Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow night. It'll be the Leafs hosting the Bruins. And with a win, the Maple Leafs move within four points of the Boston Bruins with the game in hand. Which is surprising because everybody's in A little bit of a shocker.
1: A little bit of a shocker when you said that today, but uh, a big one. Uh, uh, The
0: math uh, is mathing.
1: Math is mathing. And uh, yeah, uh, some good math if the Maple Leafs can get a victory.
0: Raptors are hosting the Knicks tonight. We're proposing that the winner of that game will win the lawsuit. I I, I think that's fair. I will be in attendance. I have 30 minutes from the minute our show ends to get to Scotiabank Arena. Can I do it? With parking? I'm going to take transit and be frugal Ooh. and yeah, environmentally you friendly. Can you can get there. Okay. Well, we'll see. Stay tuned for that. The over/under of minutes I am late is like three and a half of the actual game.
1: I'm taking. Uh, I'm taking the other. Okay. There's a little ten-minute lead up. Yeah, there's be there's some stuff be going on.
0: And of course, okay, Shohei Otani has 59 minutes to sign on our show. It would be great. Uh, if not, it'll be the weekend, and hopefully, when we come around Monday, we have some news. But we still haven't got anything. It is December now, December 1st. It is the holiday season. The biggest gift that I could ever receive and our country could receive is Shohei Otani becoming a Blue Jay. But it feels like things are getting warmer and warmer. I don't know. I'm reading so many reports, Justin.
1: I guess warmer and warmer when uh, looking towards a potential conclusion, I think. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing this next Friday. Maybe we're talking about where he's already landed or what the Blue Jays Mm. might be doing uh, after getting him or not getting him. Uh, at this time next week. It seems we're, we're reaching a conclusion or we're getting closer to a conclusion and, and more reports today whittling down the field, I suppose.
0: Okay, so the latest one uh, within the last couple hours, ESPN's Alden Gonzalez says... Oh, you're the, doing the
1: propaganda first?
0: I think we should read some of the reports from the insiders that know best. Sure. Quote, by next week, he might have a pretty good grasp of what he wants. And at times, the winter meetings have had a tendency of spurring action. At this point... I'd pick the Toronto Blue Jays to sign him, but it's tough to rule out the Dodgers or LA Angels. I'd pick the Toronto Blue Jays to sign him. I mean, listen up, Shohei. There's one person saying you should pick the Blue Jays.
1: Uh, yeah, there's one person out of a panel of about five, <laughs> I, I believe, who wrote on that ESPN article. So one out of five is not bad. That's, <laughs> I mean, I said 0%. That's maybe 20%. Uh, uh, that's definitely... An improvement, but the thing today that was, I think, most interesting was Jeff Passan, who is mm-hmm. probably as plugged in as anyone, saying that the Rangers, Red Sox, and New York Mets looking elsewhere, and those believed to still be in the bidding. Mm-hmm. Dodgers, mm-hmm. Cubs, Blue Jays, Angels, and the Giants, not so sure. So, yeah, the whittle, the field seems to be whittling down. The Blue Jays, by all accounts, are still involved, and at least one ESPN panelist likes the Blue Jays, while the... Uh, other 80% like the Dodgers.
0: Can you imagine the power of the individual that's going to be like, okay, we got him. Get that tweet ready. Get that graphic ready. And you have, you are the social media manager that types out confirmed or like we did it. Like what do you even type? If you have Shohei and you're about to send that tweet into the universe and you're the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm just picturing it being them. I would be be so sweaty (laughs) typing out that tweet. There'd be typos. I might need someone to like Do it for me because to send that into the universe, you know that's like maybe the most powerful tweet that's ever been tweeted in sports.
1: North American sports, yeah.
0: Okay, North American sports. Tell me a better tweet than acquired pitcher and (laughs) extraordinary showing Otani. I to mean, our organization. I, I
1: think it would be amazing to be the person who gets the information prior to the information leaking, Ugh. like the social media manager. Yeah. Like, you get...
0: They have to make a graphic, so Shapiro's someone is doing knocking it. knocking
1: on the door, and it's like, hey, can, we got to get a graphic ready.
0: They should just have it ready now and just be like, and we'll, we'll tweet it, like... Shapiro was on Twitter. He might have
1: to take over the socials. (laughs) He's got the the login. Um,
0: All right, lots to go through. We'll circle back on some Shohei stuff. Uh, But it is a big couple days on the West Coast. Canada soccer is playing in the Christine Sinclair send-off tour, the Thank You Sinclair penultimate game for the GOAT tonight in Victoria. Um, The reality is starting to sink in that this is the last couple times we'll see Christine Sinclair uh, wear that Canadian jersey, Uh, We have someone on the scene for us, Arash Madani, joining us from Victoria, covering the next couple of games uh, in the West Coast. Arash, thanks for jumping on. Uh, What's the vibe? How's everybody feeling over there?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird one, Um, just because everybody knew this was coming, but it almost feels like the lead up to graduation day or something like that. (laughs) You know, like the end is coming and you prepare yourself for it and then, it actually starts to arrive and you're like, all right, all right, now here we are. And that's kind of how it, how it seems with Sinclair and, and, and the players around her right now.
1: So Sinclair famously one of the greatest athletes that this country has ever produced, but also one that really, really distastes uh, a- attention. And of course, if it's your farewell tour, there's going to be a lot of tension on Christine Sinclair. So is this like, this is mainly and predominantly and mostly very, very positive but of a part of, is a part of this like a nightmare for Christine where it's all about her for these two games?
2: She actually called it that. She actually <laughs> called this um, And she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do anything to do with the farewell tour at all. And then, you know, some friends and family started talking to her and they said, you know, Christine, this actually isn't about you. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's going to have 150 friends, family, former teammates, soccer influences, those who've been around her this entire run um, at BC Place on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so this this is kind of, it's, it's gotten bigger and bigger. They've sold more than 40,000 tickets. And, uh, um, you know, this is the end of an era. It is to celebrate all they've achieved going back to London 2012, you know, three Olympic medals, including a gold, and um, a lot of people who've been there for part of her journey. So that all all kind of weighs into it too, guys.
0: So what's the deployment for the next couple of games? I think if she's coming off the bench tonight, she'll obviously start um, in that final game. What kind of impact do you uh, assume she'll have in the next two appearances? Oh, that's so sad to say, the last two. Yeah,
2: very little. Um, Mm -hmm. Look, they, they did two matches in Montreal and Halifax about a month ago. If we're being real, what this is all about now, after the disaster of this summer at the World Cup, is to make sure they're going to be ready for the Paris Olympics next year. Like, let's not forget here, Canada is the defending Olympic champions. We won gold in Paris, sorry, in Tokyo. And so so as they get ready for Paris, it's, all right, what's Jesse Fleming going to be is she going to wear the next captain's armband they're, they're trying out different formations they're trying people in different spots to see what's going to work it looks like janine becky is going to return in february and march just in time for the gold cup which is very important uh, um, so as much as this is about sinclair and the headlines and the rest from a soccer standpoint um it's making sure we go to the olympics with with a plan and and Players who know what they're doing, in what tactics, they're trying some different things out, so that what happened in Australia this summer doesn't doesn't repeat itself.
1: No, I mean that's very very important. Obviously, that uh, it turns they turn the page in a not just a graceful fashion, but something that uh, you know does justice the generation that they're coming out of, which is the Christine Sinclair. Uh, generation International friendlies, uh, no matter what men or women, whatever it is, uh, they can kind of take on different meanings. Sometimes it's low stakes. Sometimes it's higher stakes. You just mentioned they have a lot to work on if they're going to be ready uh, for the big competitions to come. But the Sinclair farewell, Sinclair being involved, whether it's Canada wanting to up their level to do right by the final two games or the revenge aspect of Australia and Australia being one of the best teams in the world. Like, what do you expect... From these friendlies, are they going to be a little bit more than just friendlies because of Sinclair? Maybe because of the opponent, too?
2: No, I think what this is going to be is a real preparation opportunity, honestly, for both teams. Like, the the one thing I think that's important to remember is these countries, they don't get a lot of time with their national teams together. You know, these windows, these FIFA windows where they can have a camp, you know, have a bunch of days to practice, get a match or two in. They're hard to come by. You know, they were together in, in October in Montreal, and Halifax. Then like three days later, players are off in Europe playing for their club teams. And we're seeing on the men's side just what a disaster it's been um, when they haven't been able to get together and take advantage of the windows. They just did nothing in September and only had one match in October. So, you know, th- there is pomp and circumstance. That It's going to be ceremonial. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be all those things but I think tonight, more than Tuesday, is a is a real tool to to figure out, okay, what are we going to be? And then Tuesday is going to be all about Christine. I mean, a lot about Christine on Tuesday.
1: That's interesting because it's it's obviously it's due celebration, but it's as you laid out, very, very important that uh, these two teams and Canada in particular are preparing right. And this is a rare opportunity when you get good quality competition, but they're sort of juggling that with. Uh, Christine Sinclair, who just at the last World Cup like did not play ninety minutes, uh, was maybe better coming off the bench. So it'll be interesting
2: to see how they, they didn't handle get the Olympics. Either don't forget, Justin twenty twenty one, they went like the gold medal match. Bev substituted Sinclair off mm-hmm. late in the second half. Um, so it's always kind of that thing, right? Like Tom Brady kind of ruined it for everybody winning a championship at 42 or whatever (laughs) he was. Most people are not at the elite level at the end. We sometimes, we don't remember Michael Jordan for his time as, as a member of the Washington Wizards. We remember him winning all those championships with the Bulls. And so, you know, Sinclair in her prime was not like, was obviously the best player on earth. But let's also remember who and what Christine Sinclair is. Nobody, nobody has ever scored more goals for their national team than Sinclair. Not, Ab- not Abby Wambach, not Lionel Messi, not Marta, not Cristiano Ronaldo. Sinclair. And those 190 goals, that will not be matched. Like the the Cal Ripken consecutive games record will not be broken. And Sinclair's 190 goals record will not be broken. Those are two records that you can guarantee are in the vaults. Throw away the key. Nobody's coming close.
1: It'll be pretty special uh, if she can add one more to that tally. Uh, last one on Sinclair, Rash. Is she a Mount Rushmore Canadian athlete for you? Is she top four? Is she better than that? It, where when she walks away after these two matches, she stand uh, you know at the very very height of the athletes this country's ever produced.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I actually we were able to do a sit down a couple of days ago that's going to drop on Monday. Shameless self promotion. <laughs> um, night before final match, and I brought that up with her. I said, "Look, you think about this country's sports history." you think obviously about hockey first and it's 99. And then you think about icon and it's Terry Fox. And then for now you think about basketball and Steve Nash. And with soccer, Christine, it's you. And she said, yeah, I'm pretty darn proud of that. And I, again, this is somebody who doesn't really you know mm-hmm. stand up and chest and build her brand and all those kinds of things, but that's who and what she has been. Um, I will say this, that, Outside of Alfonso Davies, I don't know if the general Canadian knows a Canadian soccer player other than Christine Sinclair. Not the hardcore sports fan, not the footy fan. Just walk into a coffee shop on a Wednesday mid-morning in any town Canada and say, name me a Canadian soccer player. And I bet you, the first person they'll name is Christine Sinclair. And other than Davies, I'm not sure if they could name another
0: one. She was a winner of the formerly Lou Marsh Award, the Northern Star Award. And I know it's Northern Star Award season. So we'll have to get your, uh, your, your pre, we're not going to get your pick, but we'll, we'll discuss a couple. You're talking about basketball. This is a hot one for Justin and I. SGA versus Jamal Murray. And I know you were in Jakarta. I know you got to see up close and personal what Canada did there. Uh, but Jamal Murray won an NBA championship. And I know they're not on the same level for many, but I think the discussion is really interesting about having Canadian basketball players that may be at the forefront of this discussion going into next week and then the voting the week after. So where do you stand within just the basketball debate, to put it first?
2: I, I, you know what? I'm just going to take it one step further. I get what Connor McDavid did. I really do. Um, And Nick Taylor had himself a lovely week and weekend and moment. And Annie Fernandez, her her autumn was outstanding. And Brady Oliveira, second most prolific rusher, nicknamed Football League as a Canadian, awesome. And yes, Jamal had two of the best months ever in NBA playoff history. I get all of that, and he lifted a championship. Um, if Shea Gilgis Alexander was playing in New York, there would be Times Square would be just his face <laughs> and nothing else. Like this season, this fall, he has put up better scoring numbers than LeBron, than Steph, than Jokic, and is like one point a, n- a night shy of KD. That's what Shea's doing, but he's in Oklahoma. You're saying, okay, well, it's only been what, 17 or 18 games since October. Okay, cool. Let's talk about January to April. He averaged 32, 5, and 5 in the West. And you're like, oh, okay. So here you have a guy who's averaged 32, 5, and 5, January to April, 36 and 6. You know, to start this season and in between goes to the World Cup, gets Canada into the Olympics for the first time in 20 years. And they have to go and beat Luca and Slovenia for a shot at it. And he becomes the first player in 30 years at the World Cup to have 30 plus points and double digit rebounds in a World Cup knockout game. Then he follows that up with 31, 12 and 6 against the USA to win bronze. I mean, I, I I don't know. And look, all the puckheads come after me when I. This is as complete a year as any Canadian athlete has ever had in my lifetime. That includes Penny Alexiak. That includes Donovan Bailey. Yes, that includes Wayne Gretzky too. But that is insane. He is a more prolific scorer this season than LeBron than Steph and Jokic. I, I, I mean, I I just don't know what else to say other than it's too bad he's not playing in L.A., it's too bad he's not playing in Chicago, it's too bad he's not playing in New York, it's too bad he's not playing in Miami, because if he was, he'd be getting KD treatment, not LeBron treatment. LeBron's his own special shelf. But that's, uh, I I just can't remember a Canadian athlete who's done anything like this in the second biggest participation sport in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Rash. Uh, I, I mean, there's always a debate. And actually, after hearing your case for SGA, might I, th- not be one. <laughs> I, I actually think this should be a pay-per-view event, the Northern Star Award yeah. debate. Just like, I, I think it'd be unbelievable. I think everyone would love to hear the conversations around these athletes, uh, but I am pro SGA all the way. I will say before we let you go, though, is there, an, is there someone who's not getting spoken for enough? Is there a Canadian athlete in 2023 who did something that not enough people know about and should be not maybe in line with SGA, but in the conversation as well? It's,
2: it's a good question. Um, this one's a tough one because it's not an individual athlete, but Gabriella Dabrowski of Ottawa just won a U.S. Open Grand Slam doubles mm-hmm. title um, you know, we're, we've become so spoiled as a tennis country that, well, it was doubles, you know, mm-hmm. you go back a generation. If somebody got out of the third round of a tournament, you're like, wow, amazing. I put Dabrowski there. I, I think what Brady Oliveira did in, in Winnipeg this year, you know, only one other Canadian running back ever has had more yards than what Oliveira did, um, in a physical bruising sport. Um, so those would be, those would be two. Um, look, we have an incredible decathlete. We have incredible swimmers. Um, it, I think it's hard for the traditional Olympic sport athletes. Um, even when you win a world championship in a non-Olympic year, even though, um, what summer and what Pierre have done have been amazing. So, um, there, there are, there are a number. Like, that's that's the amazing part about this. There's never a wrong answer in Canada's Athlete of the Year. But other than Bianca 2019, I can't remember the last time I've seen such a gap between one and two.
0: We're pretty spoiled in this. Whoever country. two is. I don't even know who yeah. two is. Yeah. We're pretty spoiled, I, I guess. Think,
2: uh... I guess it's like David. I guess... Um,
0: Justin, oh, yeah. Justin and I next week are going to try to do an argument for. Oh,
1: you you didn't counter. She's Jamal Murray. No,
0: i You are Jamal Murray. I just Jamal listened Murray. to Rash and I'm. I'm never. I don't even care. Who's Jamal me, Murray? Was, well, well, the, the guy is, that votes yeah, versus yeah, you. Okay. I mean, I clearly. That's
2: it, fair. Yeah. yeah. Because, but here's the thing, Jamal. Jamal had the best playoffs mm. imaginable mm-hmm. by anybody. But the award is athlete of the year, so it's right. calendar year of January to December. Shea has. Shea has averaged a little shy of what Jamal, through 12 months, a little shy of what Jamal averaged through two. Mm-hmm. And Jamal didn't play this summer, and Jamal has been hurt part of this season. So it just she, he hasn't been able to put together the complete resume that Gilgis Alexander has.
0: I hear you, and I agree.
2: And Jamal didn't play this summer,
0: and I know, and I understand that. <laughs> um, Arash will enjoy the next. He couple better days. play
2: next. He, he better. Uh yeah, we'll, better if he they let him.
0: He better. Uh, well, we really appreciate everything you're doing, uh, helping tell the Sinclair story. It's going to be really special. Enjoy the next two games, and uh, yeah, I just it's not often that we get to see one of the greatest in the world wear our jersey. So I know you'll be soaking it in. So will we. Thanks, Arash.
2: I uh, appreciate you guys.
0: That's Arash Mandani from Victoria, covering uh, the final two games of Christine Sinclair's Canadian journey. Uh, penultimate tonight, yeah. and then the big one, obviously the final send-off, will be on the fifth on December, uh, Vancouver, BC Place. It's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Arash laid it out interestingly there because it's about saying goodbye to Christine mm-hmm. Sinclair, but it's also about hey, we don't get these opportunities. What are we talking about with Canada Soccer? For the last 18 months or so, mm-hmm. not appropriate enough training, not appropriate enough opportunity to be at your competitive best. And this is an opportunity to. So it can't be just, hey, Christine, go out and get a goal and play 40 or 90 minutes rather than 45. Like it's, they kind of got to balance this. So hopefully they strike the right balance and it's a celebration, but it's also some competitive soccer and worthwhile.
0: I love the Northern Star debate. We will have it next week, whether the case is already closed for SGA or not. I think it's a great opportunity to highlight some of the amazing things our Canadian athletes are doing. I just saw Summer McIntosh set another world record uh two minutes ago at the u.s open swim meet
1: she 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 may not win the award but she's got the most records this year i believe
0: killing it uh so we'll go through that next week the voting i believe is the week after so we'll get a full picture uh leading into it maybe we'll just remove sga from the discussion and find some others uh to chat about um quickly we'll do a little bet rivers look around um and we're gonna talk to kyle bukaskas uh, after the break talk about this big weekend in the hockey world. Uh, but it is now time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. As I mentioned, I will be zipping down line one to get to Scotiabank Arena. Uh, and I would like to bet on the Raptors tonight because when you're in attendance, you bet on the home team. So I'm going to parlay the Raptors to win and see to get over 200, or 200 points. I think that would be such a good payout if he had over 200 points. 22 and a half points. That is plus 230 tonight. My parlay last night, was painstakingly close. So I had Dak Prescott over 299 and a half passing yards plus a Ferguson touchdown. Dak ended with 299 passing yards. He I was, wanted
1: I wanted a recount. Like, do we go one after? one yard off? After the game, do you, like, go through and make sure Just all the data is perfect? Just make it a clean perfect, 300. Clean 300. We needed 299
0: on? Anyway, so I was devastated about that. I know yours hit. Uh, yeah, so my, we, we would have plus going. 500,
1: plus 410 on the night would have been a really good night. So one we're going to have
0: to
1: for a win uh, tonight. Uh, it's championship weekend in college football. A uh, big one tonight. Actually, one game. In Washington and Oregon, that may decide both the Heisman Trophy winner and who goes to the college football playoff. At least one of the teams that goes to the college football playoff. Bo Nix, of course, is in the Heisman race. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to win the Heisman because I think the Oregon Ducks are going to beat Washington tonight. So I got the Bo Nix wins the Heisman parlay. Oregon to cover nine and a half and Nix to throw for 300 plus pass. That's that 300 number again.
0: You better not get 299. Can I
1: do 298 and a half? 300 passing yards, three TDs, Bo Nix. It isn't about the Heisman tonight, but if Oregon's going to blow out Washington, then it's going to have to be Heisman level from Bo Nix. So uh, plus 260 for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and an Oregon cover.
0: All right, we'll take a quick break. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance on the other side, Kyle Bukowskis, and a huge Hockey Night in Canada game tomorrow night. Diving deep into Leafs,
3: Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkett's Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I'm going to do it. We're back. It's the fan pregame. Ailish and Justin, 360s, 360, Sports at 590, The Fan. We're going to get Kyle Bukowskis in a couple seconds, but a quick reminder that the All-Star game is around the corner. I know we'll be, you know, hopefully, get down there and getting involved, uh, but a reminder that you can get your tickets starting on Tuesday, December 5th at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster. That's for... This big three-day event, of course, happening at Scotiabank Arena. The Tim Hortons NHL All-Star Player Draft. The Alumni Man of the Year. They're honoring the 1967 Maple Leafs and the Canadian Tire PWHL 3-on-3 Showcase. All of those tickets go on sale on Tuesday. And, of course, you can watch all the action here on Sportsnet. I can't wait. It's getting close. It's already December. So, I don't know. February is, like, tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it is close. <laughs> it is very close. We're going to have to start preparing ourselves for that player draft.
0: I don't oh, know. It's going to be a blast.
1: We're gonna. Have, we might have to draft the players ourselves, but I, we got a so many creative ideas, so many th- fun things we can do uh, with that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna be awesome. You can take line one; everything works out. <laughs>
0: there you go. Line one, sponsored by them as well. Favorite line. Yeah, let's uh, let's bring in Kyle Bukowska, sideline reporter, of course, for tomorrow's big hockey night in Canada game, Toronto and Boston. Kyle, how's it going? Oh, you are frozen.
1: It looks like he's frozen. He again.
0: is. It's either like a mean mugging Kyle with his just not moving. Oh, this is funny. Okay, okay, Kyle is um, a little frozen, folks, so we will regroup with well, him. We'll try again. But yeah, tomorrow we'll... we're going to be down. here. hear me? Oh, Kyle, we, we hear you now. We don't see you, but we hear you.
1: Oh, we see you oh, now, too. Now we see there you.
0: you. How are you? Oh, man, oh, man.
3: It's very choppy.
0: Okay. We appreciate I your Wi Fi
3: would be better here. Thanks a lot, Marion.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, how's it going, Kyle? Excited for tomorrow's game? I, I assume it's one of the best on the schedule. Boston, Toronto, hockey night in Canada. It kinda doesn't get much better than that.
3: Well, this these matchups seem to never disappoint, right? And you throw it on a Saturday night, it makes it uh, a little bit better. Um, certainly, when they're they're in Boston, like you feel the the juice of a play in the Garden. But uh, here in Toronto, just given you know coming off the the night that that the Leafs had and one that they and Mitch Marner so desperately needed, um, I, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see. You know, I mean, they they played once this year already, and and you know the big takeaway was you know what happened when. Marshawn got caught up there with Timothy Lilligren along the boards and the lack of response and the fallout from there. You know, will that have any effect on, on what we see tomorrow night? I mean, um, I'll have to I'll have to tune in and, and see. But uh, whenever these ones come up, they're they're ones that uh, you, you get juiced up for. Because uh, as I say, I can't remember a Toronto-Boston game where he left going, uh, well, that was boring because they never <laughs> seemed to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect uh, first game, and I think it's a perfect second game. We'll get back to the Leafs in a second, but Nikita Zadorov Zdor- trade uh, perfectly tees up the 10 o'clock mm-hmm. game with Vancouver and Calgary going at it after just trading that asset. And it does affect the Leafs because the Leafs were said to be in on Nikita Zadorov. Uh, so, just with Zadorov going from Calgary to Vancouver, how does it change what Vancouver has and is going to do? And what do you think it signals for the Flames? Yeah, it's an
3: interesting one because like Calgary's been playing quite a lot better, right? Like yep. I, I was looking today like all of a sudden they're they're on the cusp of of a, a wild card spot. Like, we did that game early in the year uh, out uh, at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton and you thought, man, like it just could it could it get much worse for the Flames at that point and were they ever going to dig themselves out of it and uh, they kind of have here. They've been on a nice little run. So, I think that was what the trade signified is that, you know, I think they were they were in a situation where uh, you know the ability to to get some assets and to to free up some some money to to potentially do some other things to free up a a roster spot to to bring in some some younger players. You know Craig Conroy has mentioned that since you know he took the the job there in Calgary as as the main guy, uh, it, it allows that to happen. Uh, you know in terms of you know any other potential deals with with some other players on the roster right now that are are due new contracts in the summertime. I mean, I'm sure how they, they play over the next month, six weeks, will we'll go a long way in, in determining that. But it's no, no secret this was a, a player who, who wanted to change his scenery. And, um, you know, the fact that it's traded within the division, Vision is always curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember when I was going to school in, in Calgary, uh, you know, this was just over 10 years ago now, but at that time, it felt like anyways. I mean, Flames fans, there was more hatred at that time towards Canuck fans than it was the Oilers. I mean, this was, of course, before McDavid and Drysdale and them and when the Canucks were in the middle of winning back-to-back president's trophies and uh, off a run to game seven of the Stanley cup finals. But um, you know, there's, there's always when, when Vancouver came into the, the saddle dome, um, like there was, there was a bit of nastiness in the air and it wasn't just what was going on on the ice. So uh, this matchup is, is really intriguing for me too. And the fact that it's Adora playing his old team already uh, only, only adds to that, but it's, it's, it's a neat one for, for Vancouver that, you know, tried to, you know, no, there's no secret that they're trying to shore up their, their defense a little bit and, and to get a little deeper back there. Um, you know, he saw that it wasn't the the greatest outing last night uh, against Vegas. I know Ian McIntyre wrote about it, where you know he was he was the most important guy for the Canucks last night, and he wasn't even playing. So, um, you know, I think with with his boisterous uh, personality, Zadorov, I'm speaking of, um, certainly there's he's he's well known around the league. But uh, at the end of the day, he's not going to be a guy that's will likely be playing 25 minutes or or, or even a. Above 20 for, for Vancouver, but um, you know a good depth o- option for a team that you know all of a sudden is, is in a really good spot on the Western Conference and the and the division, um, and is now looking at you know trying to to put together put together the best team possible to to win now because uh, over the first uh, bit of the season here, the first quarter, I think they've they've shown that they're they're perfectly capable with at least being in that conversation as early as this year.
0: When this trade broke, actually, we were on the air yesterday. So our initial response was like, well, why didn't the Leafs get him, right? The the, the the felt really light. It was just two draft picks. And since his name was circled with the Maple Leafs, obviously we we think that he would have been the perfect fit for the Leafs. Uh, but when you're looking at it, like, does it feel like a miss for the Leafs or does it feel like, hey, there's still time. There's still other opportunities out there. Tanev's name is being floated around. Maybe it was best to wait and be patient because the trade deadline is still a long ways away. and Maybe the Leafs can tread water until then.
3: Yeah, I I wonder how much uh, interest there is in them treading water right right now. I mean there's mm. certainly banking points which which is a good thing, but um you know even as early as it was just a few days ago, Brad Trilliving was saying that they're they're trying to make improvements on on their blue line. And if we know, you know, Trilliving's history at all is is that you know he's he's not one to to allow the rest of the general managers do the, the the talking when it comes to players potentially being available, even if he doesn't end up getting the player, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for him to be in the mix and, and just kind of having a sense of what's going on. And the fact that you throw in that it's Zdorov, a player that he of course knows well from his time in Calgary, only adds to that. So was it a miss? I, I'm not sure. I think what was you know a huge uh, boon for for Vancouver was that they were able to take all that salary right i think he's he's just not too far under four million dollars a year that he's being paid and, and we know here in in toronto um i don't think they, they could have made that work by by taking 100 percent of the contract i think calgary certainly saw the flexibility there and getting all, all that money off the books uh, to be a, a huge asset for them and, and what they're looking for in, in a trade partner and and probably is part of the reason why they were okay, you know, stomaching a, a trade within their division and, uh, you know, in a way helping a, a team like Vancouver get a little bit deeper, deeper as they uh, continue to, to build a team that, that, that they think can be a threat in, in the playoffs there. So um, it would probably just was, was something where, you know, there was, there was another team outside of Toronto that, that was able to, to offer more than, than the Leafs currently have available to them right now. Um, but, but to your point, Alistair, still a long ways away from, from the trade deadline and, and time as they continue to get a sense and what the ultimate future holds for a guy like John Klingberg, um, though of course, it doesn't seem very great right now. Uh, there's still time, I think, for them to to make what uh, they feel is the, the best decision to to shore up a, a blue line that you know has shown some some leaky points here uh, through the first bit of the year.
1: Uh, chatting with Sportsnet's Kyle Bukoski, yeah, uh, it's interesting on the Leafs. I mean, that was a big night. Mitch Marner getting things sorted uh, just as an, from an individual standpoint is definitely a good development for this team. But they're still stuck on five regulation wins, which is not great through a quarter mark of the season. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that they need pieces, that they need help on the blue line. But in your evaluation of this team, Kyle, like how much different is it from these previous years? I know it's a different team with a new general manager, and new personnel, but does it feel like they can be on par with those teams? Does it feel like they have the te- potential to be better than those teams?
0: Uh, I, I
1: suppose they have. Good interrupting, um, Kyle. Although uh, I'm not sure if he's still going, but we 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 got to work on that connection. Two hotels, I think, today for us in terms of our guests with a rash that's and true. Kyle. And I think one was just a little bit better than one the other. One is working on the uh, <laughs> so, so we can uh, you know take that offline and make sure we get good Wi-Fi uh, when we decide to travel.
0: Yeah, we'll just give him a call.
1: But we'll give him a call and we'll get to a couple other things with him. But I, I did want to ask him too about Boston, Jeremy Swain. Mm-hmm. Swayman, like we don't even care who starts tomorrow night for the Boston Bruins that good. because they have two goaltenders who play at such a high level. And I wonder now if it's going to change the way teams look at the position, whether it's going to be about, hey, we have one goaltender, but that's not enough. And you go out and maybe draft one early on because so, so there's
0: not that many good goaltenders. in the and,
1: league, And that's true. <laughs> but if there's such a premium on it, maybe it's just like them in the same way quarterbacks in an NFL draft are like, okay, mm-hmm. we, it's good ones. They all go in the first round. Maybe then happen where it's just way of the to have one good goaltender you have to go there and get a team that's as efficient as the Boston Bruins. I mean, you can't argue with their results right now. Well,
0: I feel like there's never this all-star goaltender coming right out of junior or right out of university, right? Like it's they take some time to mm-hmm. get to the point where they are a starting that minder in the NHL. And I feel like we talked about this to ever expand more teams. Like there's not that many great, great, great goaltenders, yeah. right? So I mean, I think Boston has pretty much the only tandem that is like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Islanders are pretty close. I think Varlan Rokin, but isn't even had that good of a year. It's so for them uh, and something they're able to use. Like we talked about this with Jason Bukla. I think we got Kyle back. Mm -hmm. But the possibility of just getting a goaltender every single draft, putting him in your system, and seeing if you can construct a Swayman and Allmark situation. We got Kyle back. We were just talking about how, yeah, it doesn't matter who Boston starts, Kyle, because Swayman and Allmark give you the same thing, even if Swayman's been maybe just a little bit better this year. Is this sort of? You think this can become a trend where teams just have to have multiple goaltenders? Or that Boston might start something here? Where hey, you can't just have one; that's not enough. You need two if you are going to be a, uh, if you are going to be a team like the Boston Bruins.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I would say, guys. And uh, sorry for the earlier connection issues. Uh, I would say, like the Bruins kind of started this. I felt you go back to the the 2018, 2019 season when their two goalies were. Tuka Rask and Jaroslav Halak. And I don't think it was totally split 50-50, um, but it certainly wasn't a case where, where Rask was taking the, the line share of, of the starts. It was definitely a, a 1A, 1B setup throughout the 82 games of the regular season. And then once the playoffs hit, Rask was, was their guy, and they rode it to, to Game 7 of, of the Stanley Cup Final and, and almost won a, a Stanley Cup with it. That's, from, from my memory, the first time where you saw a team go that route. And, and in, in a lot of ways, it it was a it was a success for them. So I, I'm not surprised, you know, under the same management in Don Sweeney and company that, that this is kind of what they've developed here between Jeremy Swayman and, and Linus Allmark. You know, what's what's interesting though is you know, as though they, you know, a season ago, historic numbers in terms of regular season success, and uh, you know, the the start of the the, the playoffs there, it was largely all Mark until you know the 11th hour. They go back to to Swayman, and they had just lost their way by that point, and and Florida ends up uh, upsetting them. Um, it'd be interesting, you know, assuming they they are able to to keep things rolling enough to to be one of the top eight in in the East again this season. Um, you know how they handle the the playoffs, and, and do you just rely on one guy, or do you even approach a, a seven game series as, as a tandem as well? Uh, I was in Boston a couple of weeks ago. We did a, a Montreal Bruins game there on on a Saturday when uh, the Leafs and the Sens were over in Sweden. Uh, and and Montgomery actually said, you know, I mean, it's it, it was interesting that that was coming up in in mid November. You know, how do you handle your goaltending come playoff time? But but he did concede that they're they're much more comfortable and more open to come playoff time you know, running with that that 1A, 1B, back-and-forth tandem uh, type of situation from from their goaltenders, which, you know, we really haven't seen, uh, at least in in my memory, when when we're talking specifically about the the playoffs. So for the longest time this year, they had exchanged – starts one for the other um i know there's there's been a couple instances here of of late where one guy's got two straight starts uh, over over the other um but man it's it's been and and Montgomery and the players have talked about it it is the the sole reason why they've got off to as good of a start as, as they've had um, it's because of, of those two netminders, and, and it's just really neat to, to see the, the bond that is, is forged between the two of them. I mean, we all see the, the post-game hug on, on the ice, but uh, Swayman made the joke uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking to him there in, in Boston. He said, you know, whenever his dad calls now, the first thing he asks is, how is Linus doing? You know, before he's <laughs> even curious about what is his son's up to. So they've got something working there, and, and a big part of it, I think, is, is just the, the mentalities of the, the two goalies, and, and they're getting results. So it's, it's been a, a perfect perfect kind of marriage in that sense there for, for Boston. And I'm sure a lot of teams would love to have it, but I just feel, man, it's, it's rare when you get that, that type of situation where you can trust both guys almost equally.
0: Kyle, you see a lot of teams up close and personal, uh, this season with your travels is Boston, the best team you've seen, or is there a team that might be just a little bit more well-rounded?
4: Yeah, I, they're, I, are they the best team I I've seen personally? Um, they would they they would be up there in terms of you know teams I've I've watched at, at, at ice level. Uh, I thought you know Florida was was incredibly impressive the other night uh, in in Ottawa. Um, mind you, they didn't get you know much of a game from from the Senators side side of things. But um, you know I think as as the season goes on, I think we'll, we'll see Colorado a few times here on on Saturdays against uh, Toronto, both in Toronto and, and in Denver. Um, you know, looking forward to, to seeing them up close. But um, they would they would definitely be be one and. Uh, you know, certainly, it's not like they've been clicking, running on on full cylinders, uh, on all cylinders this this whole way here. Um, but they've they've relied on their goaltending. It's it's been been very good. Um, you know, they got some timely scoring in, in certain parts of of the lineup. Pasternak's been been brilliant uh, again. But um, no, they've still been kind of working through you know kind of the the depth of their lines. And, and we knew that was going to come in some fashion when you lose Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci over over the off season. Um, so it seems like there's still some some tinkering some uneasiness from the coaching staff and kind of that, that middle six there and how they want to get the, the best out of their, their forward group. Um, so that's one thing to watch, I think, moving forward. But, um, you know, we talked about the goal 10, and they've got a really good blue line, um, you know, two areas where, where you've got to have some, some real good quality people. And if, if you want to have a chance, they've, they've got that there. Um, so uh, they're, they're certainly close to, to the best I've, I've seen this, this year, and, uh, but I think they would be the, the first to admit that they're the, the furthest from, from a, a, you know, a finished product here yet. I think there's, they're still working through a, a lot of things, as expected when you lose uh, you know, two players of that caliber over the summer.
1: Uh, you're not in Ottawa now, Kyle, but uh, you obviously have your pulse on the situation there. It's kind of another season where it's just not quite working, I think, to the extent that the Senators would have hoped. Uh, and yet everyone we talk to uh, will stand by the reporting that, you know, DJ Smith's not in jeopardy here. And Brady Kachauk will come out and talk in favor of DJ Smith, and it seems like there's almost an endless, unbreakable bond or devotion uh with dj smith and the organization are you surprised that that conversation has never drifted away from that that uh those unbreakable bonds that seem to be formed between dj smith and the organization
4: yeah well i i don't know if they'd be 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 unbreakable i just think we're we're in a situation here now where you know you, you go back to the start of the month where the the shane pinto thing happened there was the the, the fallout from the, the, the getting to trade from a couple of years previous that cost Pierre Doria on his job. Um, just, you know, a, a lot of noise. The team was, was struggling a bit at the time. And, you know, the, 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 the reports had come out, I know, Elliot Friedman had talked about it, that, that Steve staos had, had addressed the team. And it just seemed like the mindset was like, we just need some, some calm and, and some quiet here and, and just worry about playing. And, and the problem is you go from that, and then they had such a light schedule in November because of the Sweden trip. There were so many days off they had in between games. And when, you know, the losses were happening more often than wins, there was more time to dissect them and what was going on and what was going wrong and how did they fix it? And why is it still the, the same old story with this team? Uh, so I think, you know, the, the issues were, were magnified a lot in, in that way. Um, um but i think uh, i am not surprised that we're in a situation here you know after as as bad as that game was on on monday and and it was a mess don't get me wrong uh the, you know d j smith is, is still the head coach but behind the bench because they've had enough of the the boat rocked already this season um there's still very much a, a season that that isn't lost i would say i know the it doesn't look great from a standings perspective but they've played so far fewer games than than most of the rest of the teams in in the league so uh, I just it could be a, it would be a tough one I think to to do right now I, I mean because they they don't have a full time GM I mean Steve Stales has has the interim uh, role right now as he's trying to to get things under under control but if if their plan is you know to to eventually go out and find someone to to take that position on full time uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised with thinking well we'll we'll let that person kind of make the decision how they want to handle the, the head coaching position you know DJ's in the last year of, of his deal. Um, and, and clearly, there's still a belief that, that there's a path to, to get things back on on track again. Um, you know, this is going to be a big one here in, in Columbus tonight. You know, they're the, the two bottom teams in 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 the conference, um, and then you've got Seattle waiting for you at home tomorrow on on hockey night in Canada. And this tonight kicks off a stretch, uh, gang, where they're playing uh, 15 games in in the month of December. So for all the downtime that they had. Uh, it's gone now. So if you can find a way to get your game in order, uh, I think you know it could be a great thing to be able to be playing every other night, and you're just in a rhythm and you're going. Um, but if the losses keep piling up, you know it can really become a, a runaway train. I mean, if there's one bonus, you're getting Thomas Shabbat back in the lineup. I know the team said like they they felt their their possession, their offensive possession time, you know, really took a hit with him out of the lineup. But, but he's back now, so uh, perhaps a, a very welcome boost coming there on on their blue line. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's it's more circumstantial, Justin. I would say with the the coaching situation um, that, that's kind of led to, to things staying status quo for for now, um, and it, it can all state back to just how late into the, the the situation, into the into the conversation did the the sale finally close and new ownership come in. I think it just pushed a lot of decisions back further than maybe they anticipated going into things.
0: It is pretty crazy. They've only played 17 games while well, some teams have played 24. <laughs> so maybe they just got some catching up to yeah. do in terms of just getting their feet under them. That's a, a lot less games than many in the NHL. Uh, Kyle, we'll let you go. We appreciate you grinding through some connectivity issues. We're uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Actually, we'll be at the rink, so we'll wave to you. Um, we'll see you at uh, Toronto-Boston tomorrow night, Hockey Night in Canada. Sounds good. I'll I'll look for you both. Uh, awesome. It was a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Enjoy your night. That's Kyle Picasso's sideline reporter for Toronto and Boston tomorrow night. Of course, Hockey Night in Canada. And it's going to be a big one. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, Boston, Toronto is always big. Uh, I guess maybe there's reason to be still thinking about that can opener and the Timothy mm-hmm. Liljegren injury. I'm sure that narrative will there, there'll
0: be a bite soup
1: back into the pregame. The bite back. I'm not sure there needs to be a bite back, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it's uh Always fun Toronto-Boston, but uh, I, I think the Mitch Marner development may be more powerful in terms of uh, what could happen or what should happen on the ice. I think Mitch in that bubble, uh, that was an important night, an important effort from him, and I think we might be seeing one of the core four members get his footing under under him finally because we know how Mitch runs, and a hat trick and a shootout goal where he's dancing on the way to the net Might just be the uh, perfect tonic for him.
0: He better keep that bubble on all season. It might be the fix. Hey, bubble I mean, I
1: couldn't, when I saw that photo, I couldn't not think of you, given that you made the bubble famous. uh,
0: Famous, yes, that was me. In
1: the U Sports days. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Okay, so producer Mike has sent us a message saying there is a spicy clip from Tom Verducci of MLB Network that we must play before we say goodbye to everybody for this week. Okay, We haven't heard it yet. It's spicy. It's on the Jays and Otani, and we're going to play it now, and it might just send you off into your weekend on the happiest of highs. Let's hear it.
3: But I've thought all along, Toronto is a sneaky player here because all the reasons you mentioned, owned by a communications company, he's the greatest asset in baseball in terms of selling tickets and making your team better, by the way. Um, and it's also playing in a dome inside. I think that, that's attractive to Shohei. He works to such a regimented schedule, right? And he's used to having a Southern California. There's no games rained out. He's right. on his schedule. This would fit him as well. Competitive team. I think we all know that's important to Shohei. So I think they have some things in place. I'm not sure they can win a bidding war on the Dodgers, but I can see them staying in this.
0: Okay. Shohei loves the Dome? The Dome is attractive? Let's go. I was worried. Like, Does he like the Dome? He loves the Dome. That's, we, have that. we have that for us.
1: We do have the Dome. We've been talking about this forever, uh, and we're not going to get to the mailbag. But this is one of the mailbag questions, so maybe we will get to the mailbag. What Does Toronto and the Blue Jays have to offer to Otani? Certainty when it comes to your starts. You never have to pitch through rain or snow.
0: We can make a controlled climate for you whenever you want, Shohei. We can. And that ballpark's going to be beautiful just in time for Shohei season. It's already beautiful. Even more so.
1: But more so, you're right.
0: Uh, I'm feeling good about it. Do you think Monday, here's, here's your question to send us off. Monday when we come on the fan pregame at 6 p.m. on Sportsnet Sportsnet 5 fan will Shohei be a member of any new team?
1: Uh, I think it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen on the weekend, but it might happen before our show Monday. Monday during the day, yes. Monday during the day?
0: I'm going to have my Blue Jays jersey ready just in case. Okay. I love it. Okay, guys, fun week on the fan pregame. Uh, I'm going to head down, watch those Raptors, smoke the Knicks, win the lawsuit, and have a great old Friday night.
1: Line one. Shout out line one.
0: We'll see you on Monday. Thanks, everyone.